Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. Before we begin, we'd like to remind you that our ministry is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com slash donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website. Welcome to Revolution, everyone. Uh, as I like to call it, America's fastest shrinking church. <laughs> if everybody came at once, we'd have like at least 10 people, but nobody comes at once. The revolution, well, what's called now, it's called Barstool Tabernacle in New York City. Um, that's one demerit for you, sir. <laughs> um, Barstool Tabernacle, um, which used to be revolution, but now Reverend Vince runs. They've moved to once a month. But, yeah, but I don't know if I could, for online reasons, I don't know if I could do that, but I could record from home. Please don't. Okay, we'll see. Well, you see, that's nice. I just need to, I was thinking about moving, seeing, seeing if we could move the chair down here so it'd be a little more intimate rather than me lording above you guys on the stage. Um, I got something kind of cool online. Um, online really is one of the big uh, online listeners. Welcome, by the way. You guys have made this church possible, and we're all here at uh, here in Minnesota are grateful to you for making this possible for us to meet because we could not do it without you. You guys are... Uh, have have been the blood that pumps into our veins, so we thank you for that. Um, and someone wrote a review, which I, you know I don't see a lot of reviews written about revolution, but this one was written on Facebook, and uh, I figured I'd just share it with you guys, let you know what the online community's saying. Raw, honest teaching offering solidarity in the suffering of life and comfort and brokenhearted, yet shining a strongly critical light of self-examination with the gentleness of a doctor extracting a splinter from my eye. I found revolution earlier this year, and listening to the sermons online has been a great source of healing and growth. Looking at my own weakness with love and teaching me to become a better, challenging me to be, to be the hands of God and healing those around me. If you're looking for, and this is the good part here, if you're looking to hear sermons that are unfrilly, unglossy, unshiny. Okay, we get it. This is it. Unshiny. Kind of crappy. This is it. Yeah, I thought that was really nice. And uh, we're un the un unvarnished. Um, so today... My Bible fell off, so the off this just a second ago, <laughs> and so I lost my markings. So you all have to deal with me I'm trying to find the right verses today. But kind of start out with well, I'm going to start out with usually a dialogue, but I don't have my dialogue today. So monologue, I mean. Um, a sermon on forgiveness, but 
the first story I want to start with is when my mom used to tell a story about forgiveness, and she would preach forgiveness quite a bit. She was a, a neat lady. She loved to preach about love. She loved to preach about forgiveness. She loved good news, and she saw the Bible as good news. And uh, I guess that's where I get it, uh, my selective reading of the Bible. <laughs> we all have our own readings, and uh, I like to focus on the good and see, use that as a lens. But she talked about when we don't forgive and when we carry bitterness around with us. And one of the people that she did not have a hard, she had a hard time forgiving was Jerry Falwell. Now, I don't know if you guys know who Jerry Falwell is. Um, he was a majority, what is it, Christian? Moral majority, conservative Christian. He started the moral majority, um, very conservative. He's founded Liberty University, which I'm sure we're listened to at a lot, if not aired live on their campus. Um, he was. Uh, he, he said a lot of rough, horrible things, especially about the LGBTQ community. And my family had a bad run-in with him in the 80s. And a lot of scandal happened with that. And my parents trusted him to be a kind of a restorer, and he was the opposite. And uh, so my mom talked about walking around with a lot of unforgiveness towards Jerry Falwell. And she told this story about how they would deal with murderers in medieval times. Now, I don't know if this is true or not, but she thought it was, so we're going to just go with it is that sometimes they would take your victims that you killed and they would strap them to you. And you would carry around this dead body. And you would carry around the stench and the stink and the smell. And as the corpse would rot, you would start to rot with it and slowly die alive. And she would say, you know, my mom was four foot 11 really four foot 10 I think but um, little lady and if you ever saw Jerry Falwell he's a very big man not just in width but in height I'm, and she said I was walking around carrying Jerry Falwell strapped to my back and that was no small feat and he was slowly killing me and that's when I realized I needed to forgive him similar story for me is I also had a lot of unforgiveness towards Jerry Falwell. And Jerry Falwell wanted to visit my father in prison. And I was like, no way. The guy's trying to finish the job. I do not want him to come see you, Dad. It was already, the trip was already planned. And uh, I said, no. And so they were going to cancel it. My dad's lawyer was really upset. I don't know why. Lawyers are weird. They can be somewhat unpleasant sometimes. Um, but I said, no, I don't want this to happen. And I sat down with my dad, and he told me the story of, uh, well, he told me stories of forgiveness and grace and told me why I should forgive. And I ended up 
he said, you know what? I won't meet with Jerry Falwell unless you meet with him. If you want to meet with him and then talk to him and see how it goes, and I'll give you the go-ahead. So I flew out to Lynchburg. I think it was Lynchburg. He was speaking somewhere. And uh, I remember the pastor talking about longer sentences for prisoners. I mean, it was just like, you know, really, come on. The grace of God. Isn't it beautiful? Um, and Jerry Falwell sitting in front of me. And I, I remember that he was in arm's reach. And I was like, I could just wrap my hands around this giant man's neck and just wring it. You know, because I was bitter. I was 16 years old. You know, I was angry. And the next day I was supposed to meet with this man. And, uh, and I did. And I told him basically everything I'd felt that he had done to me and to my family and everything under the sun, basically, everything. What my sister suffered through, what I suffered through, what we had suffered through. It wasn't your normal thing like, I'm just going to forgive you and let you off the, you know. And we talked and we talked and we talked and he goes, well, forgive me for what you think I've done. It was really a shitty forgiveness thing. And, uh, or apology. But you know what? I forgave him. And it was like having him lifted off of my back. And then I remember that the only, you know, I could not deny my dad this chance. And so I flew with Falwell out to my prison, the prison to see my dad. And before my dad met with Falwell, I said, Dad, you know, I've forgiven him. You know, not, nothing's perfect. But, I feel lighter, I feel better, and I feel like something's happened, and I, I, I don't feel like I can't share this with you. And so my father met with him, and a uh, similar thing. Matthew five twenty four. Uh, why do all my stuff fall out of my Bible? You know what? It's actually Luke. Sorry, guys. My my placeholders fell out of my Bible. <laughs> and if it's not Luke, then we're just going to move on. You know what? Let's move on <laughs> to Luke six thirty seven. Luke 6.37 says, Stop judging others and you will not be judged. Stop criticizing others or it will come back on you. If you forgive others, you will be forgiven. If you give, you will receive. Your gift will return to you full measure, pressed down, shaking together, making room for more, running over. Whenever measure you use giving, large or small, it will be used and measure with given back to you. Now, I've always heard that. When I grew up, I heard that breast town shaking together running over as um, before people would take the offering <laughs> how much you give you will receive so they'd be like we're going to take an offering and if you give it'll be given back to you pressed down shaking together running over but what they didn't make clear was is that this was a verse about forgiveness it's not a verse about giving 
Well, it's kind of giving, but it's giving forgiveness. But can you see how this is? This has to do with forgiveness. This is uh, a beautiful thing. Forgiveness is often an education. You know, forgiveness is often we learn from it. We're set free from it. We have to go back to it. We have to return to it because it's not a one-time thing. Forgiveness is also not a license to be walked over and be destroyed. I think often we see forgiveness as this idea of, I've forgiven them, so now I have to let them back into my life. And often we're forgiving people who've been very destructive in our lives and been very hurtful. And I think sometimes we have to forgive and be willing to move on, to move forward with our lives. You know, I'm going to read the rest of, uh, not all of Luke 4, or not all of Luke 6, but I'm going to read some more of it. I'm going to go back to the beginning. Because this has to do with loving and forgiving. Um, 27, Luke 27 says, But if you're willing to listen, I say, Love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Pray for the happiness of those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn the other cheek. If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. Give what you have to anyone who asks for it. And when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Do for others as you would like them to do for you. Now, those are some high standards. Those are some big things that I don't think any of us can do, will do. If someone asks me for my coat, I'm usually living in Minnesota. I'm probably not going to take it off and give them my shirt, too. That's just the reality of, of life. I'm not a perfect Christian. I wish I was. But this idea of do for others as you would have them do to you or for you is it's the golden rule. It's, 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 what, it's, what, it's one of those core values of the Bible, as core as love God with all your heart and equally as important your neighbor as yourself. Treat others how you'd want to be treated. Love others how you'd want to be loved. And sometimes that's confrontation. Sometimes that's setting boundaries because you know in your own life you might need boundaries set. Or you know in your own life that a confrontation might work. I mean, I know there was a time in my life where um, I met with this pastor and he asked me, he said, when are you going to stop feeling sorry for yourself? And I was like, oh, I wanted to punch him in the face, you know. But I realized that I had a lot of self-pity. And it took someone saying something harsh and something hard to me who I knew loved me and knew cared about me but at the same time, I felt like, you know, uh, you know, I felt betrayed. But ultimately, it was a truth, and it was a truth that set me free and allowed me to be stronger for others and help others and, and, and take away some of that self-pity and have more pity for other people. Not pity, but you know what I mean. Empathy, patience, kindness. Do you think you deserve credit for merely loving those who love you? Even the sinners do that. What? Sinners? And do you good do good to only those who do good to you? See, one of the things that's going on here is he's talking to people who felt like they could separate themselves from others. That they could be separate from Gentiles, separate from others who were saying... So 
when he's saying, do you think you're good just for loving those who, these people were literally just loving those who loved them, the people Jesus is talking to. They were not loving the others. They weren't loving the people who didn't love them. They were saying, no, those are unclean people. Those are filthy people. We don't associate with those people because those people make us dirty and they make us gross. And Jesus is going, no, you've missed the point. Do you think you deserve credit merely for loving those who love you? And he's saying, even the sinners do that. And if you do good to only those who do good to you, is that so wonderful? Even the sinners do that much. Now, the idea is we're all sinners, but he's, he's making a point here. To these people who see the other. as So if you want to even replace that word for sinners as the others, even the others do that, or even Gentiles do that, you could say. And if you lend money only to those who can repay you, what good is that? Even the others will lend to their own kind for full return. No, love your enemies, do good to them, lend to them, and don't be concerned that they might not repay. Then your reward in heaven will be very great, and you will truly be acting as children of the Most High. For he is kind to the unthankful and to those who are wicked. You must be compassionate just as your Father is compassionate. Some people turn this verse into saying you must be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. But think about the inclusion here. It's always easy to miss the 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 inclu- inclusive scriptures um, because they just read by so fast. For he is kind to the unthankful and to those who are wicked. God is kind to everyone. Now, I don't think God is a man in the sky who's a puppeteer and going, "Oh, I'm playing these puppets," and "Oh, cue the storm," you know, and cl- you know. Cue the, the disease and the famine and, oh, this family needs a car wreck. You know, I, that's not what I think God is. I think God is a ground of being. I don't think God is a man in the sky who's going, psh, psh, psh. I, I couldn't live that way. But this thing here is that it's saying God is even good to the unthankful. God is good to, he's showing these folks that I'm asking you to be like God, I'm asking you to be like the Father. I'm asking you to show mercy as the Father shows mercy to all people. And that's when it gets into the stop judging others and you will not judge. Stop criticizing others or it will come back on you. If you forgive others, you will be forgiven. So this very strong verse on forgiveness. Now, this is Jesus saying these words, and the idea is, is did Jesus practice this? If you turn to Luke, <laughs> the sound of all those Bible pages wrestling is just beautiful. That's sarcasm. There's one. It's a teal one. It's a teal Bible. <laughs> <laughs> There's the teal Bible we talked about last week. <laughs> so, in Luke 23, we find Jesus in a very different situation. Jesus is on a cross after being beat to death, well, beat to almost death. Um, and crucifixion was quite a strange thing, and quite, a, quite an amazing form of torture um, because they would nail you to this beam 
and uh, it would cause your everything to slow down, your blood to slow down, your heart would start pumping sludge, basically, and you'd start suffocating. You died from suffocation, and the only way you could breathe and speak is as if you pulled yourself up on those nails, and 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 then you could inhale and then and then back down that was it that was how i mean so i mean it was it was quite a you know it was something that was thought through it's still i guess it's still strange that we have crosses in churches and we wear crosses and i have a cross tattooed on me you know what i mean but it's just a strange thing because it was such a horrid horrid way to die and it you know it made jesus uh, jesus was mocked not just then but Christians were mocked for for serving a criminal savior. You know, he was seen as a sham and a shame. You know, like how you the shame is brought on your God. How could you your God be crucified? Could your it's like if you know it's like if he was he was electrocuted. You know, or, or killed in prison. Think about that. If we you know like oh the Messiah came, he's here today. And, oh, he happened to be put in an electric chair. You know, it would be like one of those things where you would just be like, well, that was just a crazy guy. So Jesus on the cross, between the two criminals on either side of him, Jesus pulls himself up, literally, and says, before he dies, Father, forgive those people because they do not know what they are doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. There's an inclusive verse that I don't think a lot of us think about. There's Christ on the cross saying, Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. In the ultimate moment of humiliation, pain, death, forsakenness, I mean, this is the moment that Christ feels forsaken by God. Because, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Um, my friend Pete Rollins says it's the moment that God becomes an atheist. The complete absence of God. But he still yells out, forgive them for they know not what they do. That's inclusion. It's amazing inclusion. It's, it's, so why should we forgive? Well, I think we should forgive because it's a good thing to do, but I also think it's for us who are followers of Christ, we're called to do that. We're called to love people. We're called to forgive people. We're called to take a higher road. Uh, again and again, I will use Martin Luther King Jr. as the perfect example of, 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 of you know, he wasn't a perfect human being by any means. He had his own faults. But his work and Gandhi's work are great examples of what a Christ life should look like. Those are ones that are close to us. Those are ones we can go buy books. We can see videos. We can listen to recorded tapes of hearing some of King's conversations. Um, if you can find a good book on Gandhi's nonviolence, I, I highly recommend it. But that's what we're called to. We're called to this. If the higher standard isn't don't smoke and chew or go with girls that do, you know, like most churches raised, the higher calling is love idiots 
Love people who hurt you. Forgive those because, you know what, they're doing things in ignorance that they don't understand. That's, that's some heavy stuff. That's a hard calling to have. That is a hard way to go. But that's, to me, that's why it's good news. To me, that's why it's revolutionary. Not because it's about not baking cakes for my LGBTQ brothers and sisters, which is just such, I just don't even get me started. It's such shit. It makes me so mad. There's another guy who just came out today or a couple days ago who's like, this is my art. Why should I do this for gay people? Open a church. If you want to discriminate, open a church. Stop baking cakes. You know? Sorry. (laughs) Why did I say open a church to discriminate? Because I think that should be the place where you just, if you want to discriminate, you know, join a religion because that's the ones who do it. Uh, Not a business. Isn't it? Businesses are held to a higher standard than churches. (laughs) Isn't that ironic? Um, Paul talked a little bit about this, and I'll cover this, and we'll 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 close and go our ways. But um, in Romans three twenty three, it says, "For all have sinned, all fall short of God's standard." Yet now God in his gracious kindness declares us not guilty. He has done this through Christ Jesus who has freed us by taking away our sins. I'm going to repeat that one more time. For all have sinned, all fall short of God's standard. Glorious standard is what it actually says. Yet now God in his gracious kindness declares us not guilty. We're declared not guilty. He has done this through Christ Jesus who freed us by taking away our sins. By that word, forgive them. They know not what they do. There's another verse, and that was the verse that I thought I had marked in here, but it says if you're making a sacrifice and you realize that you've done something against someone or someone's done something against you, leave what you're doing. Don't worry about your sacrifice. Go and make peace with that person. Go and forgive that person. Do not let sun go down on your wrath. That's grace and love and forgiveness. It seems like it's all coming together for me lately because spending so much time in the Gospels, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Paulinian guy. I like to read Paul's letters, and this past year has been gospel, gospel, Jesus, 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 and realizing all the forgiveness that Jesus had, all the grace that Jesus showed, all the hope that Jesus shared, and it's there. And so I want to encourage you today to forgive. And maybe it's not somebody else. Maybe it's yourself. And to learn to accept that. Because some of the hardest things that we can do is accept that we're accepted. But forgiveness as an education is something to learn each time it happens. Each time we forgive. We need to learn and hold on to that. And that, that kind of that rough rub that's there. Because eventually, it'll, uh, hopefully, it'll, it'll become smoother and we'll become better at it. And we'll be able to do things like love our enemies, even those enemies who kill us. Just like Gandhi, just like King, just like Jesus. And that's really beautiful and, uh, and horrible all at the same time. But that's how I want to learn to love.
Thanks.